Welcome back to Be Great With Nate, the podcast that trains you to master your mind, body, and emotions to help you take complete control of your life. I'm your host, your coach, Nate Ortiz. I'm enthusiastic about teaching you how to manage your health and mindset while you pursue your goals in life. My goal is to clear your confusion regarding the body, mind, and life itself. If you want to learn how to become the best version of yourself, then you're going to want to stick around. Welcome back to Be Great With Nate. Before we get started with this podcast, I just want to say thank you to all out there that have been listening to Be Great with Nate. We got our results back yesterday as far as, um, you know, the um, what, what countries listen to our podcast, where do we rank in the world in the past year, and we made it to the top 5% podcast in a lot of categories, and that wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for you. So I just want to say thank you. And today's podcast is a very special podcast. For those that have been listening to my podcast, you may have noticed that there's not a lot of guests on here. Uh, there's many reasons for that, uh, but one of the things I want to share with you today is that the guest that I have today is extremely, not only uh, wise and smart and has helped me and helped a, a lot of clients of mine, but this is one of my mentors. This is like a gift to the world, and I've been kind of selfish keeping him to myself as much as I can as far as learning from him, but um, he was actually on my podcast when I first started my podcast. And now I'm bringing him on today. His name is Bob Finelli. You're going to learn a lot of phenomenal things about Bob. Uh, Bob was actually my mentor when I first got the gym in New York and I got um, hired to run this company. I was really nervous. I felt like I was out of place. I felt a little lost in my life and I, I was on my hero's journey. And Bob rented the office in the back. He was a therapist that worked there, physical therapist. Oh, he does rehab work. And he's um, he came out into the gym and told me that he believed in me. He never met me. He didn't know really who I was, but he heard me in the interviews that they had of me, you know, when I was doing my interviews for the job. And he thought that all these ideas that I had that was kind of scaring off the other people, um, well, some people he believed in. And I thought Bob as an angel. He he talks like an angel. He He walks like an angel. He walks with pure love. And in today's podcast, Bob is going to connect on how the mind, body, and emotions all work together. He was a psychotherapist. So for someone that has experience, professional experience in the mental, then he worked a lot with the, he works now a lot with the physical. He was able to combine both of them by understanding how the mind, body, and emotions all work together. So I'm really excited for this podcast and I really hope you enjoy this podcast with Bob Finelli. But Bob, I have you um, on the podcast today because I've, I've, I think a lot of you helped me connect a lot of my coaching. Went to school for movement science and physical therapy is what I've learned. And, you know, you learn when someone has pain in the ankle, you train that one ankle, you rehab that one ankle. When I met you, you had, you, you were beyond that. You were telling me, Nate, just because the pain is in the ankle doesn't mean it's from the ankle. It can, it can come from the shoulder. So that's one thing that you taught me. Another thing that you taught me was the connection between storytelling mm. or emotions connected to injuries. Mm -hmm. You see, I was getting into the world and I understood, oh, okay, someone has back pain because of inflammation in the stomach, but you taught me that there can be an emotional connection with injury and pain. So... Um, we're going to get through that stuff today in the, today's podcast, which awesome. is going to get really deep Fun and, stuff. and cool. But before we start, I gave you an introduction already, but I'm with, I would like for you to introduce yourself. What is your background before you were doing anything with rehab work? Uh, let the audience know. 
Okay, so hi everyone. Uh, thanks for being here, by the way. Uh, so let me tell you a little bit about myself. So uh, I have lived in New York my whole life. In fact, in a city called Nershell. Mm -hmm. And I've lived in the same five mile radius my whole life. So it's home. Uh, I'm currently 57. Silver, not gray. <laughs> you do not look 57, uh, Thank by the you. Way. Uh, I have a wonderful 23-year-old son. I've been married for 30 years to a beautiful English girl, so I've been very blessed. Um, and in my career, uh, I've bounced around a little bit because I've been wanting to just learn more and more. So other things about me that, like, so... Um, I studied uh, Lakota shamanism for five years wow. uh, because I found that was fascinating, right? So again, I'm, I'm, I was raised Catholic, but that just means that's what was presented to me initially, right? Uh, I also then studied therapeutic touch, energy medicine, I'm a Reiki master, so I went into the energy portion because, I mean, the human being is a total whole. All of these things are in play all of the time. I think our question sometimes is just, well, who's in the lead right now, right? Is it actually the physical thing in the lead? Is it the emotional? Is there an energy imbalance, a nutrition imbalance? They're all connected. And what I think we try and do, or, or I, I don't want to speak for you, but um, where can I touch that person where they're successful? And by successful, I mean, where can we start to create the transformation to move them out of where they are now? Maybe that's a nutrition thing for right now. Maybe it's the body, right? The physical. Yeah. Maybe it's actually a joint. Maybe it's a muscle. Maybe it's their heart. Maybe it's their belief about what's going on. Um, and to really, I believe, help someone move on is where is your success point? Mm. Where can I find that for you? And, and also... It's not a judgmental thing. Just mm. tell me, tell me your story. Tell me where you are, mm -hmm. and let's see what we can do to help. So it's beautiful. So when a client walks in, um, I happen before we had this uh, started recording. Um, we were talking about how we see everything that connects. As soon as a person used to walk into the gym, mm -hmm. or even to this day, mm -hmm. I can immediately kind of figure out the person before they even speak. Yeah, you have a gift for that. <laughs> Thank you. You do. So do you formulate, do you have that same thing where you see somebody and you just say, you kind of can assume what kind of client is walking in your room based on their body language, their eye contact, what they're doing with their hands? Um, I think I, I have some of that. I don't think it's to the degree of a gift that you do. Um, but what I'm fascinated in, and maybe it's from my old psych days, is... Um, I think people are storytellers. Mm. Ever since we were doing cave paintings, you know, people tell stories and through stories they find connection and through connection they find value and all of these types of things. So even when someone comes in, uh, they say, do I have to fill out a bunch of forms for you? And I say, no. I say, here's my assessment form. And it's a blank piece of paper. And I sit down and I say, tell me why you're here. Mm. So I don't say... Tell me about your back, your knee. We'll get there. But I just say, tell me why you're here. What can I do for you? Hmm. And they will start to tell me their story of, well, here's my pain. And, and I think it's very significant, maybe your point to this is, what do they lead with? Hmm. 
because generally what they lead with is what's most significant or important or what they've attached to or have been told they should attach to. And it's really just about listening to them and thinking, well, like, where are you on your journey right now? And listen, I have a specific skill set. You have a specific skill set. And I, I, I like to believe because of what I do that I could probably help almost anybody, but that doesn't mean I'm a match for them. Mm. Yeah, you're not a. I've learned that. I've learned that huge in the last year. Mm-hmm. You know, I always wanted to like when I was at the gym. I was always taking on clients, and even if I wasn't a match for them, I'll manipulate my time, mm-hmm. my energy, my personality to make that person happy. Mm-hmm. But then I started to learn, like when I compensated that, I end up compensating, get looking for energy with more caffeine, more sugar. Sure. So I had to learn how to back off from that. So yeah, this you just year, want to help people. <laughs> exactly. So this year I've learned that I'm not a fit for everybody. And uh, I remember coming into your office and you telling me, don't be afraid to, to say no. Um, I think you overheard a lot of the people that would ask me, can you come in at five in the morning? Can you come in at six in the morning? And I remember one day you said, Nate, you know, don't be afraid to say no to some of these things. If a person really wanted to work with you, they'll make the time. Right. And I was like, I don't know. In my mind, I was like, I don't know. You challenge a lot of my beliefs, a lot of my stories. Just sharing what people have shared with me. (laughs) Yeah. I have some questions for you. Okay. And I want to lead these questions up. But as I'm sitting here, what would you tell somebody that is going through a hard time and it's hard for them to get up and change and do something about it? Sure. So there's never easy. I don't think there's like a uh, 100% template mm-hmm. because everyone's different, right? Mm-hmm. But but what I would offer is you have given everything you see all the value that it has, mm-hmm. okay? So if for some reason you're stuck or you're holding on to something, you have placed a value on that. It's serving you somehow doesn't mean it's conscious Mm -hmm. that you're doing something but something there is serving you and I I think too often we're we're taught to just look for the outside and not go on to the inside and say well what could be driving that right Mm. because human beings are driven we're not automatons it's easy to think of us as like point-and-click robots you start the key we run all day we we're not Mm -hmm. right we're driven um, we react to energies around us. We react to people around us. And, and, and even people sometimes say, like, I, I believe everyone can feel energy. Now, to what extent is different. But I'll give you a great example. Um, sometimes, like, you're not in a particular room and two people have a fight in that room. You don't hear it. But then you walk into the room and you like, something just happened in here, right? What do you think you're feeling? Mm. Their energy. They just had a conflict and that's electrified the air. And you're like, whoa. Mm. So that stuff's all around us. And because we are dynamic, organic, responsive human beings, that can influence the choices that we make. And part of our coming into ourselves I think is really starting to place the value on us that we are value simply because of who we are. Mm. So you are significant because spirit God put you here. That's all. I don't Mm. need the other stuff. I appreciate the other stuff. It's all made up anyway, Mm. right? Like, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. I got to go to this school and make this money. Those are nice, but like, uh, for example, 
let's pretend you're in the Australian outback, lost in the desert with an Australian Aborigine. He doesn't give two craps about the moldings in your house or what your salary is or what your education is, but he will be shocked that you don't know how to get water out of that plant so you guys don't die of thirst or which snakes to avoid to get home to your family. Mm. That's significant to him. Mm. The other stuff is just made up. Mm. So it's totally um, culturally, society, individually based. Now, I'm not saying we don't use it. I'm not saying there's no value there. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying understand where it comes from. Mm. Love okay? that. Yeah. And then, so that would be... <laughs> I mean, a great example is like when you walked into the gym, mm -hmm. I wasn't like, who's this crazy guy out there spouting all this stuff? I was like, huh, there's something really interesting going on out there. It's drawing my attention. I'm going to go see what that is, right? There's a story there. There's something going on. And so to your question about injuries and things like that. Well, when a person just feels like they can't, you know, it's hard for them to motivate themselves to change. It's hard. So a couple of some of that too is sometimes we tell stories. So here's a common phrase. Mm -hmm. Change is hard. What? I just changed my position. Mm -hmm. What was hard about that? Here's what we say. Letting go of my beliefs can be hard. Mm. Oh, really? Why? So that's now, I think, coming and why from... why is that? So if, you had, if you had to... My thought is, experience. first of all, I think what you have to understand is um, we know what we know at the moment to be true. It doesn't necessarily mean that what we know right now is true. So Gary Gray used to say to me, Bob, the truth doesn't change. Just our understanding of it does. Mm. So there was a time when we were sure the world was square. Doesn't matter what you tell me. Guess what? It's not. Mm. We were pretty sure that the earth was the center of the universe. Guess what? Not. But we knew it was. Mm. You couldn't tell me it wasn't. So when you get locked and you say, you know, changing my beliefs is hard. Well, first of all, I think we have to understand that it's actually just that. It's a belief. Might be the truth. Mm -hmm. Might not be. Here's the thing. You've made it your truth. And then what I find with this, and this is all of us. I'm not... I'm putting me in here too. Yep. The closer someone gets to their definition of self in having to change, sometimes the harder they dig in. Mm. So uh, I think the most important sentence in your life will be how you complete this. I am. I am. Mm -hmm. So if you're like, uh, well, I am an exercise physiologist and that's who I totally define. What happens when I lose that job? Mm. I'm worthless. I'm useless. I can't do anything. N no, no. So um, this type of thought process, which I believe is what it is, right? It's a thought process that we can go through, can connect to the physical body and the emotional and the spiritual body as well. I mean, come on, the spiritual body, there's been religious wars mm. because people are like, nope, this is the way to do it. And this is the way. Well, there are over 3,000 religions in the world. Mm. I'm pretty sure we don't have it right yet. Mm. We got a lot of cool options. <laughs> but if we knew for sure 
Why are there 3,000? Mm. Now I know you can say yours is the way. I get it. Mm -hmm. But that's a hard way to grow mm. if you're in there. So now you can talk about the body, for example. And, you know, another common phrase is like, well, my back is weak. Well, why? What's your measurement tool for that? Mm -hmm. Right? And again, like I say, but so you were bending over to put your sock on and blew your back out. How strong do you have to be? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and B, well, what happened to your strength? You've picked up a sock for your whole life. Mm -hmm. But people will tell you, listen, oh, your back's weak. Don't do this. And now if you start to attach to that, you become the back pain person. Mm -hmm. And it can become your sense of identity. Okay, but that's not who you are. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, now if people perhaps offer you ways to change that story, whether exercise or therapy or whatever, you may not be willing to because that's who you have now chosen to define yourself to be. Okay, I hear you on that. Mm -hmm. But my thought would be, that's a definition of limitation and loss. How about if we redefine you in a different way? Mm -hmm. So what's going on in you that you feel like you have to limit yourself and come from a place of loss? Mm. Yeah, when, when I was in... Um in college, mm -hmm. one of the biggest things that I see uh, athletes go through is no longer being an athlete. Oh, yeah, big time, right? Guys go to retire and they can't retire and it's mm -hmm. really hard. Sure. So what I always used to, um, you know, I still always make the connection to is, you know, they only thought of, of, of themselves as a football player sure. or a basketball player. That's their definition softball. of self. Exactly. So one of the things I was trying to teach the athletes after my injury was, you know, who are you really? You know, focus on who you really are inside. Football is one of the things you're playing out on, right? Or you're, you know, basically giving time to. But your other things too. Because as soon as that kid doesn't go to the NFL or that kid doesn't go to the NBA or, you know, women with softball, they don't have a professional league. As soon as these sports are over for athletes, they don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. And the stories are telling themselves that they're still a football player you know, it's crazy. That's why you, when you come in here, you know, I don't play flag football on the weekends with my friends and I don't participate in that because I had to kill that version of me okay, or get rid of that version of me. Right. Um, I had to move on to the next me. I feel like life is like playing characters. Right. And I'm playing a new character now, but you're evolving. Exactly. So let me ask you a question. When a client comes in, what is the typical problem that you see with injury? So for me, uh, what I see with the body is we, we have to think the key to injury prevention is really adaptability and resiliency. It's not strength, okay? Or strong people would never get hurt. Mm -hmm. I take care of a ton of them. Mm -hmm. um, and again, like, well, if I, I hurt my back, I'm not strong enough. Well, again, my response then is, well, then how strong do you have to be till you never hurt yourself again? So basically what I find with injuries is a couple things. Number one, uh, obviously there is a physical trauma. Mm. The tissues got overloaded somehow. But the key thing to understand with the body is the body is a force dispersal mechanism. So it's like when we build a bridge, 
We build the structure such that when cars drive over, the force gets dispersed across the whole structure, right? Even if we build buildings in earthquake zones now, we don't make them rigid, we make them pliable. Mm. You want to think of the human body the same way. When load comes into a knee or foot or an ankle, the body says, okay, it can come in, but I need the next guy to pick it up and the next guy because I'm part of a team. So very often when people come into me, their chain reaction, the kinetic chain, the team is not working anymore. And what is the kinetic chain? So the kinetic chain is the connection of the whole body as a whole. So we've known that it has for a long time. So a couple things to share. First of all, uh, if you're familiar with what we call fascia, it's a system that binds the whole body together. Number two, and I don't want to blow anybody out of the water, there's no such thing as like individual muscles. You Mm. literally have to cut a muscle to make it an individual. They all bleed into the next guy, okay? Mm. So we gave the body the name hamstring, quadricep, rhomboid. It doesn't know. When you go to move, your body isn't like, I better make sure my hamstring does this. It has no idea. It works as a system. And when that system becomes disrupted, there's overload. Mm. So a couple of things happen. Number one, the tissue itself can get traumatized. Number two, you still have to move. You still have to perform whatever your activities are. So the body will compensate. Mm. The body will say, okay, listen, the back is in trauma right now. So here's what I'm going to do. I got a bunch of protective mechanisms. One is pain. Mm. I'm going to warn you, don't do it. Number two might be swelling. I'm going to put a little extra fluid in there to create some cushioning. And another one is tightening or spasm. So the important thing to understand about the body is it doesn't know how to fix itself. I wish it did. Honestly, if it did, I wouldn't have a job, but I'd find something else to do. (laughs) So tightening is a protective mechanism, right? Because why? The body says, listen, the forces that are present and the way you're moving, I can't effectively dissipate those forces anymore. I don't know how to fix it. So here's my solution as a body, don't. Mm. Then you get tight, you get spasms, you get all those kind of things. And then the body says, but the problem is, I actually maybe used to use that area to rotate. Mm. I can't use that area anymore. I may have to over-rotate somewhere else, or I may have to start moving you sideways instead. I'm going to create a compensation pattern to deal with this. And a couple things now come into play. One is we have to say, okay, what was the initial trauma? And two, and this is where people can have injuries last for a long time. If we don't identify the compensation patterns and remove those, that's when things can become chronic. Mm. And people go, oh, you know, it was my right hip, and then it jumped over to my left, and now it's back to the right. Well, that's what your body's doing. It's like, I'll go over here, I'll go over here, I'll go over here, I'll go over here. Mm. And what we want to understand is that an injury to a site in the body is a body-wide injury because it's all connected. Mm-hmm. So the question is, you traumatize the site, now where's the body going? Mm-hmm. It's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so it reflects back to what we were talking about. You have to understand that the body's a whole, mm-hmm. that it functions as a whole. And to fully get back to, I don't use the word normal, uh, you have to treat the system as a whole. Because that's what it does. A person <laughs> comes to you because they have an ankle injury, or if a person comes to you if they have a back injury, you're following that same kind of protocol of getting the body all to get back to working as a whole? Right. So here's what I here's how I approach it. So I, I respect the actual part that is hurt. But here's what I do. I say, okay, back. I, I know you're hurt and you're overloaded right now. Who's letting you down? 
Mm. Is the ankle not doing what it's supposed to? Is the hamstring not doing what it's supposed to? Because I see you raising your hand saying, listen, I'm doing a little bit too much right now. I'm doing the best that I can. I don't know how to fix myself. I'm overloaded. Please find which of my friends is not helping me anymore. And so my specialty in particular, I appreciate muscles. They're lovely. They're really just a bunch of foot soldiers. Mine is biomechanics and motion. And the body moves in three planes. All joints are triaxial, right? All muscles move in three planes. Now, they may be biased towards certain ones based on how their, their origin and insertion point and things like that. And also, that's critical to understand. Mm. So an origin and insertion point of a muscle is critical to know because that will tell you how to lengthen or twist or rotate or move that muscle laterally. Because wherever that attaches on the bone, if you bring those bones further apart, that muscle will lengthen, stretch, get its power. If you bring them closer together, it will shorten. And it's important to understand, muscles are moving in all the planes all the time. It just depends how you're biasing them. Because mm -hmm. we like to think we, we're not a train on rails. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so even when you walk, the first thing you have to do is rotate. Yep, rotate. You have to. Yep. If you don't rotate, you cannot step forward. Yeah. I get people all the time like, I don't rotate when I'm walking. I'm like, well, you're not going to be able to come to me. Right. <laughs> when, when I'm working with, uh, what would you say, right now it's really popular, especially in the fitness community, uh, women mm -hmm. training and just, just strictly training their glutes. When I see it in the gym mm -hmm. or when I get a client that only trained their glutes, mm -hmm. uh, you usually find a lot of muscle imbalance. One of the mm -hmm. first things you do is, you find the uh, feet turn out because they created a lot of abduction. Mm -hmm. And usually they're following these girls on TikTok or Instagram and doing these little things. What's a common injury you can see with someone just training their glutes alone, isolating the glutes all day? So uh, you're going to see a lot of stuff come off of that. So first of all, I think let's kind of look at like where does that come from? Mm -hmm. Why do we do it, right? Because mm -hmm. there's reasons why we do it. Um, also, we don't necessarily want to say, gee, that's terrible but rather we want to explore why we're doing it and also a lot of these girls want a booty that's why they do. get it um but a couple things you have to understand that glute attaches to the it band which goes all the way down and doesn't attach to your femur attaches to your tibia mm -hmm. which means if your ankle or your calf or your tibia is not moving now your glutes not moving so i get a lot of people whose glutes are very muscular and they're great as long as they move front to back. Mm -hmm. But if they go sideways or rotate, not much is happening there. So why do we do it that way? How did, how did we get there? Well, generally in medicine and in exercise, um, what we've been doing for years is taking this integrated system and breaking it down into parts when we study it. And so we base our anatomy a lot of the time on the basic structure. And we tend to think of the body as a bunch of guide wires and pulleys, right? So the strategies and techniques that you use to help someone are going to be based on your principles and your understandings. Mm -hmm. So if you're taught that the body is a bunch of individual parts, then your strategies are going to be parts-based. Oh, I'm just going to have you do a hip bridge and we're just going to talk to your glute alone. Here's what the body would say. I appreciate what you're doing. But what you have to understand is that I'm a connected chain. 
the fascia connects me. I just told you my IT band goes all the way down to my tibia, which is my lower leg bone. By the way, my glute muscles, if I'm the maximus, it might be interesting for you to know I attach to the back of the head of your femur on the outside, which means you got to move those bones that way. If I'm the medius and the minimus, I'm on the outside as well. Understand that I'm connected to all of this. And by the way, I connect your pelvis and your pelvis goes to your femur. And here's something you might want to know about me, the glutes would say. There are 22 muscles that attach from your femur to your pelvis. And I attach there. Mm. Which means if any of those muscles are not doing what they want, I might look great, but I'm not necessarily moving the way you want. And you might be the person who bends over to pick up the laundry basket or put the key in the car and blows their back out. Mm -hmm. And it's not that, you know, and then that person's like, I don't get it. I can deadlift 300 pounds in the gym. I can do all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, well, you got driven to a certain motion and position. Your tissues had to lengthen as a chain. Mm -hmm. They didn't. Your massive momentum, your body weight didn't go away. And so the body can recognize aberrant forces. And it says, you know what? That's too much trauma through my lumbar spine. Here's my solution. Oh. Don't. Mm. And it locks you down. So what we have to do in those situations, I think, is listen. I appreciate where you're coming from. And you want a great booty. And listen, I want you to have a great <laughs> booty. Go for it, right? But here's what I would say. But the body says my booty's part of everything. So can we get you closer? Yeah. So let's do our booty work, but then let's put everything back where it belongs. And another wonderful example of that is uh, planks. So if you really knew how the abdominals worked and function, you'd never plank. Uh, give me the sport activity or anything in life where you stand still. Mm. So Bob, show, take a step forward. I'm sorry, Nate. I can't step forward. You know why I can't step forward? Because I'm planking. <laughs> Throw a ball. Nate, I will lose my plank. So a plank is not good for the abdominals. Well, here's what you want to think about. It's limited. So people say, well, it makes my abdominals stronger. It does in that one position with nothing else moving. But when I go to throw a ball, my abdominals are rotating mm -hmm. and maybe extending at the same mm -hmm. time. So your analogy would be, well, when I throw, I create a whip and my bicep's part of that. So to make me a better throw, I'm going to hold my bicep tight for two minutes and somehow that's going to make me throw a ball better. Mm. It does not. Mm -hmm. Okay? So if I'm a muscle and you want to work with me or a group of muscles, we'll call them the abdominals, there are four questions that I'm going to ask you that I want you to be able to answer so that I know that you know what I do. Number one is where do I live? What are my attachment points? Because that's significant. If you don't mind, know my attachment points, uh, I'm not really sure what we're doing. <laughs> Number two are who are my friends? Because I don't live alone, mm -hmm. right? Number three is what do I actually do for you in the body? Because I have a role. And number four, and most importantly, maybe, what turns me on because I don't have a brain? I appreciate that you think I have a memory, mm -hmm. but I'm a slab of beef. There's no brain in me. So something activates me and gets me excited. What is that? If you can answer those four questions, I know you'll treat me authentically. Mm. And you have to know what I authentically do. So, for example, I drive an Acura, right? You know what it isn't? A doom buggy. If I take it out onto the beach, it's going to get stuck. Mm -hmm. It's not the Acura's fault, is it? I didn't know what it authentically does. The Acura mm. says, that's not what I'm designed to do. So we can go deep into the abdominals if you want. And here, listen, I'm not telling people not to plank. <laughs> mm -hmm. But here's what I am saying. 
Understand that you're telling the abdominals to hold perfectly still and not move. You're not driving the hand, you're not driving the hip, you're not driving the foot, you're not doing anything. But the second you stand up, that's all going to happen. So our question now is, okay, abdominals, we're going to kind of talk to you as an individual unit, but then we're going to integrate you back into the rest of the system mm. because we know that's what you actually do. And by the way, abdominals, we know you move front to back, side to side, and twist. We know you don't just hold still. still. Now... Here's the value in it, too. So here's what we talk about emotion and mind, right? Mm. So if you're going to do an exercise, here would be my response. What are you using it for? Mm. And you say, well, I'm planking to make my abdominals more functional. It's not going to do that. Okay? And I'll get deep into that if you want. But here's what you might say. Uh, I'm doing planks because it gives me like a cool look to my abs. It's going to do that, probably. Mm -hmm. I'm doing planks because it makes me feel awesome about myself. It's going to do that. I'm doing planks because after a while I can sit with my buddies and go, Yeah! 2.30! Mm -hmm. Wait, you're up to 2.30? I got to do 2.40. Mm -hmm. There's value in that. There's huge value in that. And I mean, I've had people like, explain the whole biomechanics of the abdominals and the body and how it works, and they'll sit there and go, But I like planking. Mm -hmm. All right, so do it. Mm -hmm. But understand, ultimately, what does that thing do mm. and how does it do it? Um, uh, otherwise, again, like, can we just get you closer, right? So it's kind of like if you said to me, Baba, I want to play golf. I'm like, that's awesome. But guess what? I've decided to train in a pool. I'd be like, oh, for golf? Mm. Well, you don't drive through the water in golf. You're not 10% mm. body weight in golf. There might be some carryover, but like golf's over here and pool golf's over here. Mm -hmm. Can we get you closer, okay? So abdominal function's over here and planks is over here. Mm -hmm. Can we get you closer? Closer, yeah. I just like to. <clears throat> There's um, When it comes down to training the glutes, the beautiful thing about it is that it's the... Uh, some people just are not aware or have the amount of education and experience to understand that you can train the glutes and still get a booty without doing um you know things that are um i saw someone doing i'm seeing this a lot in the gym i'm back i'm not i, I have my own gym but i noticed that i have to leave my gym to go train because okay. it helps me stay more focused when i'm not in my workspace sure but um the bridges putting the weights on for the brit no i'm talking about the bridges, putting half of your spine on the bench. Oh, and I see people off. put a huge bar across. Huge oh bar. I'm God. talking about 135, 225. You can train the glutes with lunge, side lunge, lunge chop, different planes of motion gets the glutes. So when I get one of these clients to come train with me, they're blown away on how sore they are in the glutes, hamstring, quads, core, because I got them to basically train in all different planes of motion. Now... What would you? How do you go about working with a client? And if you have an example of a story about a client that you applied all your coaching or your training and you did everything you're supposed to do, but they still have this pain. <clears throat> Where's the emotional or trauma connection that may be connected to that? And how do you go about that? Right. So, uh, I mean, there's a lot that's connected there. So what I do is uh, when I assess the body and when someone comes to me, I literally put them on film and I watch them move. I assess 66 different joint motions and positions to look in their physiology. Where are they stuck? 
right? So it could be in an ankle, could be in a hip, could be in a glute, right? Could, they could be stuck. So the way I start to touch their emotional and physical is I will show them on the film, hey, listen, your body's stuck here. You're mm -hmm. stuck there. And the physical body is a metaphor a lot of the time for the emotional and the spiritual one. In fact, the longer I do this, the more I start to think that injuries kind of start here, go here, and show up here. So they start in the heart, show up in the Generally, mind. Generally, go to the mind, show up here. Now, what do I mean by that? You can have actual traumas. Listen, you're a car accident. I get it. Those kind of things happen. But what I also find, so I'll tell you a story about someone because this is kind of what you asked. I know a guy who, when he was 18 years old, um, was a cliff diver and he had a trauma where like he hit the water and it bent him kind of backwards and he had a trauma to his thoracic spine and mm. whatever. Now, he's about 60 something now. So that injury's healed. Okay. However, he has attached a certain level of significance to himself to that moment because he was a cliff diver. How do I know? I've seen him introduce himself to people and you know what his first line is? I was a cliff diver. Hmm. At 18. <laughs> oh, and it hurt my back. Oh yeah, no, it still bothers me and blah, 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 blah. So the thought process there is, listen, we can get the motion back and all tissues heal, mm -hmm. but you have to set up an environment for that healing to occur. And what can block that sometimes because it can influence the choices that you make on your road to healing is like kind of reflects back to what we said. This particular soul is connected to cliff diving as significant. So for whatever reason at this point in his life, that's still very significant to him. Whether it reflects that he was an athlete, it's and listen, it's an amazing thing to do. I'm not jumping off a cliff. God love him. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Uh, it's a pretty spectacular thing to do. But why now at this point in your life is that still your measurement? And also, the injury is connected to that significance. So if the injury heals, that could be gone. Mm. Well, now I'm not significant anymore. Mm. So my response to that might be, well, how about if you're the guy who cliff dive and didn't get hurt because mm. that sounds stronger to me than the person who cliff dive and did. Mm -hmm. And I think we have a we have beliefs and archetypes mm -hmm. in our society, and one is like the warrior, right? Like you, you yeah, talked about football. Oh, we battled. Oh, it was a war out there. It wasn't a war. You played football. I appreciate it, but like you played football, right? Oh, baseball. I just watch them. Oh, we battled hard. So. We have this belief system sometimes that if we use the body, it breaks because we're warriors, right? But, but no. So a classic thing I get sometimes is, you know, Bob, like I was a runner. Yeah. And so you understand, see, because I can't run anymore. I go, you can't? Why not? Well, because running were out my knees. I say running doesn't wear out knees or we wouldn't be here as a species. We were hunter-gatherers for thousands of years, right? But running asks for very specific motions to occur. If you can meet the demands of those motions, you'll run pain-free. If you can't, you will not. And one of those things could be glutes. Mm. Also, that's a club. I'm in the running wear out my knees club. Mm. I get it. 
I'm in the, I played football and now have a busted shoulder club. I'm in the, and, and listen, I understand that you want to connect and stuff, but let's try and find a different way to connect. And then usually do your clients, when you suggest that, do they follow that or? So I have to be careful. Right? But you, so I always say you have to walk gently in the lives of others, okay? Yes. Because you just never know. So I don't really have that conversation unless they want to have that mm. conversation. And, and you know, too, if you do this long enough, you can start to kind of see when people might be of interest in moving in that direction. So yeah. that's why what I do is I restore the motion and so the whole body becomes connected with the further steps that they'll start to connect to the rest of the system. So right? when you start seeing them improve physically, do you see them improve emotionally and mentally? Yes, because very often what happens is they've been told they can't heal or they've been told they can't. So sometimes they'll say, listen, I, I have a herniated disc. I go, well, all right. Um, when did it happen? 10 years ago and I go and it's still herniated mm. and they're like oh yeah that stuff never heals I go of course it does but there was a mechanism of action that traumatized that disc and it's not been removed yeah so that would be kind of like um you know when we were kids we do Indian burns yeah. right you know that right yeah so if I come over to your house tomorrow and I give you an Indian burn and I leave you alone you'll be fine but if I come every single day and give you an Indian burn what's going to happen to that tissue it's going to break down. Mm. So if you had a disc injury 10 years ago and you're still suffering, something is still overloading mm -hmm. that disc. Mm -hmm. We got to find it because mm -hmm. all tissues in the body heal. Mm. But again, you have to create the environment for healing. And our question is, how can we facilitate that for you? Mm. And, and even like you said, sometimes like, sometimes I'm not the person for that. Or sometimes I'm just the person to put them on the road. Mm. Hey, you know what? Ah, Bob, thanks. You know, we did great. Okay, I'm going to go over and do this now. More mm. power to you. Like, mm -hmm. good luck on your healing journey. And mm -hmm. if you're not, I think something you might be referring to. So one thing I had to work on a long time in my career is if I was offering something that I thought would help somebody get better, but they didn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure people have told me stuff in my life like, Bob, if you just do this, I'm like, ah, whatever. I'm a human being too. Welcome to the universe. Mm -hmm. And I had to understand that, like, again, everyone is on their journey. Mm -hmm. uh, who am I to get in the way, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I love the word facilitate. I'm someone who's here and you're here to help facilitate me on my journey. That could manifest in a lot of ways. And I have a certain skill set that could help you facilitate in this area. That doesn't mean that that's where you want to be right now. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So you don't want to be there. But also, I think, understand that you're not stuck unless you want to be. Hmm. Right? You're not. Um, and sometimes I think there's a difference between slowing down and looking at things and being stuck. Mm -hmm. And I know I've had times in my life where like, I just, <laughs> I was stuck. <laughs> and thank God I had people in my life who came around me and were like, basically said, man, you're stuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, and here's, and, and I had to humbly say, yeah, like I, I, I thought I had it, mm -hmm. but I, I guess I don't, mm -hmm. you know, help me out.
What can mm-hmm. I do? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a big place, I think, for all of us to get to, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. like you said, to understand that we're still continuing evolving all of the time. Because, you know, that phrase, I think when you think you know it, you might as well quit. Because mm-hmm. it can be very hard to teach somebody something that they think they already know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's very true. <laughs> Another thing I want to touch on, too, when you uh, spoke about the abdominals. If you start seeing someone that over, you know, uh, trains the abdominals, as you know, for the audience... You, what's going to happen is going to pull you forward, right? Sure. So you want to crunch a lot. Uh, it's going to pull you forward as if you're going to strengthen the muscles that connect to the rib cage and the pelvis that pull you forward. And then it creates issues with your neck. Sure. It's going to create issues with the whole kinetic chain. Totally. So I just wanted to throw that in there for the, so they yeah. can have a visual so, of like, because someone that's listening right now may be having, you know, and, and it's not their fault, right? It's no. what they followed and they may have been misguided to where they now have a lot of neck issues and a lot of issues with their back um, and the tight chest and shoulder issues and tennis elbow now because mm-hmm. the internal rotation of the shoulder. So, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's fascinating stuff. Um, one of the things that I'm, I'm fascinated by you is that you always, for the most part, had a very positive mind. You came into work very happy and positive. What are some of the things that you do to help you keep that positive mind for those that may be listening that are having a rough time or one day they're they're not consistent with being positive? Sure. Boy, do I wish I had a magic wand for that one. (laughs) Um, First of all, um, I think some of that comes from my belief of of who I am Mm. uh, and what I do. So uh, I really do believe that I, and uh, I won't speak for others, that, that I am here on this planet to love and serve others. That's why I'm here. I really don't think it's about whoever dies with the most stuff wins, right? So I'm here to love and serve others. And I have been blessed with a job and a career and been surrounded with people who, A, allow me to do that, B, facilitate me in my journey to do that, and C, kind of believe the same thing, Mm. right? So when I know that that's why I'm here, and that reflects back to like your earlier story of about, I know you want to speak about a thought in front of a million people, but you spoke to the one, Mm -hmm. you touched that heart, and that heart may go out and touch all the others. Mm. So for me... How do I stay positive every day? And I'll tell you when I don't feel good. If I haven't had the opportunity to serve and help someone, I I feel unfulfilled. Mm. I feel unfulfilled. So that can, and listen, that can manifest in a billion ways. Here's an easy one. I'm at a store. I open the door for someone. They smile at me. Done. Mm -hmm. Nice job that day, right? Like, all of a sudden, because who knows, maybe that person was in their day and I opened the door and they're like, wow, someone was kind to me. Mm. And they smiled and off they went on their way. So I think it, it comes again a little bit to what we said about I am, right? So if, if you set as your purpose that you need to have the biggest house in the universe and make the most money, and I'm not telling you not to, go do your thing, man. If that's your thing, go do it. I think what you have to understand that as long as we look for our satisfaction out here, that's not self-worth, that's other worth. Mm. And if your satisfaction always comes from without and not from within, you're going to look a long time. Mm. And that's what the spiritual masters really have taught, right? Jesus, Buddha, 
um, Krishna, all of these spiritual masters basically are saying, listen, uh, for lack of a, the kingdom of God is within. What do you think they mean? <laughs> I mean, what do you think they mean? Really sit with it. Mm-hmm. Why do you think they all say it? Right? So to, to get to a point where knowing that you're of value just because you're here, mm-hmm. and how can I help someone else in their day? I mean, I think it's so fulfilling. It's like if you watch the news, right? And, and, and first you see a lot of stories that are really hard. This person was killed. But then they put on a story where you see someone helping someone. How does that make you feel? Great. And you're like, can I go do that? Mm-hmm. So for me, it keeps me in an upward space where I'm like, and, and I always find if you feel crappy about yourself, and we all have moments, go help someone and see how it makes you feel. Watch how quickly it shifts you and pulls you out. It really does. That's um, one of Napoleon Hill's. Um, oh, okay. His laws, one of the things he teaches is if you're having a bad day, Stop what you're doing and go help somebody. Perfect. And you'll see everything change. So a couple of things that we just want to circle back around to is core facts yeah. about the body. Okay, so not supposition, but science. Uh, understand that muscles and the body, uh, you have some parts of it that are innate and work on their own. Okay, like the heart and lungs beat on their own, thank God. But the muscles are reactors. They're not actors. And they respond to stimuli. Okay? So, for example, I look the way I look at 57 years old because of the way I train. But if I suddenly decided to train like a bodybuilder, I would look very different. Okay? We also want to understand that that's a type of stimulus. And the body is going to react to that. It it doesn't have its brain. It just says, I'm going to do. So, in reflection to what you were talking about before... If I do a lot of crunches, I'm going to shorten that tissue. It's not really going to have the ability to lengthen because it doesn't know you have. it's organic and understand it's replicating all the time. So the same tissue you have right now is not the same you had a year ago, mm. right? It's changed. And as that tissue is coming in, it's saying, hey, Nate, what kind of stimulus are you giving me? Are you constantly shortening me and crunching me up? Okay, then that's basically what I'm going to have. Are you driving me in all three planes? then that's basically what I'm going to have. So because the system's connected, like you were saying, if I create constant contracture, so the abdominals attached to ribs 4 through 12, I'm going to pull that down, like you said, which now is going to take my spine out of its normal position, which is now going to take my pelvis out of its normal position, which is going to affect my glutes and my booty. And it's actually... (laughs) may start to break down my shoulder because when I go to load my shoulder, if I can't load those big guns called the abdominals, then the shoulder is going to have to do the work. I mean, the thing to understand is you have mass and momentum. Mm -hmm. You live in a world of gravity. Mm -hmm. When I move, 180 pounds moves. It moves. Mm -hmm. And if I go like this, 180 pounds goes backwards. And here's what my shoulder says. Your abdominals are coming, right? Mm -hmm. And if my abdominals go no, then my shoulder gets whiplashed. Mm. So where motion meets stillness, whiplash occurs. And all of a sudden, my shoulder can start to complain to me. My shoulder goes, you know, you you could do me a really huge favor by getting those abdominals to be able to rotate with me. Mm -hmm. That'd be awesome. In fact, if I'm a little beat up and broken and I need to heal, please make sure that those guys are coming too. Mm. And uh, just again, understand what they do. And when you work with a client that has, let's just say, shoulder injury or shoulder issues, you restore the motion 
through their kinetic chain correct with their shoulder so that program may be different than their twin brother twin sister that Absolutely. has issues with their ankles yeah so there are core foundations that are universal to everybody or you couldn't make change right so what's one of them that the body moves in three planes of motion that the body is all connected if those things were not core you couldn't you couldn't make an impact you couldn't mm -hmm. change anything but yes as far as what the program looks like to help that person, it's going to be variable because remember with the body, a couple of things have happened. The direct trauma to the site and also what compensations and limitations are present. So I'm kind of shocked sometimes when I have like five people come into my office with back pain and they're like, oh yeah, I did this kind of therapy and it's the same, right? And they hand me a piece of paper and they go, here's my exercises. And all five of them give me the same piece of paper yep. with the same five exercises. Yep. And if it's back pain, half of them might be on the ground on their back. Yep. And I'm like, did you hurt your back lying on the ground? Yep. And most of the time when someone has issues in their back, <laughs> like most injuries, but the back is like the most famous one or the one that I come up with the most, your back really is super innocent. It's not that your back is weak. Yeah. It's usually the position of the pelvis. Yeah, so the back, the lumbar spine we'll talk about, right? Mm -hmm. We'll localize to that. Which the first lower of all, back for people that don't Yeah, the lower back. Spine. And first of all, there's no such thing as that. The back's all one, right? Mm -hmm. So the spine is all one piece. That's just an address, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? So we have to know right away. Um, it's really important to understand about the body. We'll go a little technical now, but it's going to be helpful to people, I think. So in the body, you have what's called real bone motion and relative joint motion. What does that mean? If I stand up and I rotate my pelvis around, the bones themselves went through a certain degree of motion. Mm -hmm. But some of that motion came directly through my lumbar spine and some of it came through the rest of me. Here's what you want to know about the low back and why it's so important that the glutes and everybody else help in the lumbar spine. The relative joint motion, those bones themselves, can only move 40 degrees or so front to back before they crash into each other, mm. okay? So if I do this, right now these bones have hit into each other. But if my abdominals keep lengthening, they're fine. But if my abdominals are tight and I keep going back, I'm gonna oh. compress them, yeah. okay? And they're gonna complain. Side to side, those bones only have 20 degrees before they crash into each other. Mm. So, they're out right now. Yep. If I have a lot of motion in my medius and minimus, I can dissipate that load. But if I keep pushing this way and that goes nowhere, where's the compression going? Yep. In the transverse plane in rotation in the lumbar spine, five. five. Mm -hmm. You got five degrees before it's out. Five. Mm. Which is why most people get her twisting. And you would say, well, that's a dumb design system. It actually is not. It's incredibly clever. And here's why. Because I need a central axis point around which I can move and rotate and stay on the horizon. So if I'm moving around and looking at things, if this had a ton of motion, I'd be moving like that all the mm -hmm. time. So the body says, don't worry, Nate, I got you covered. I'm going to create this localized central axis right here around your top and bottom. But here's the thing. I need motion to pass through there and I'll get stuck. Mm. And when you go to rotate, I need your glutes, your hips, your knees, your ankles, your thoracic spine, 
all those guys got to do the rotation. If any of them are tired and you go to rotate, you can continue to go through the lumbar spine. And the lumbar spine says, listen, man, when you start to get above five, I'm starting to get in danger. Mm. And you get warning signs generally. Pain, tightening, spasm. Spasm, yep. So that reflects back to your thing that the body's a whole. So if someone comes to me with low back pain, here's my first question too. You're probably not rotating well somewhere. Yeah. And you even talked about it. If my feet are turned out, I'm not rotating well. Yep. If my hands are here, not I'm not rotating well, but I'm sorry, you literally have to rotate to move in life. Yeah. So that's why so many people get hurt twisting. And I think the unfortunate thing we do in our hearts in the right place. Hey, uh, when I bent over and did this move, it hurt uh, to do it. And we say, well, just don't. <laughs> right? Yeah. Don't bend over. Don't twist. Yeah. yeah. Like ever? Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> now, what are we trying to do? Well, we don't want you to get hurt. And I appreciate that. But here's what we need to say. No, 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 no. It's not don't do that motion. It's how do we give that motion back to you? Mm. We need to give it back. Mm. And so we have to know how to get there for you. Mm -hmm. Because the body's already taken it away. Mm -hmm. And again, it doesn't know how to fix it. I wish it did. But it does know how to protect you. And, and honestly, and I know this may sound weird, but like, bless your body mm -hmm. that it's protecting you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, body. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you doing that for me, warning me, mm -hmm. letting me know we're in trouble. Now I need to find out how to give everything back to you because it's been taken away. When I have clients work with me, most of the time, um, they take, I have them take their shoes off and work out in their socks. Okay. Because of the limitation that I can get in their foot. Some sneakers these days are not create great. issues. Yeah, with a client camera pronate, meaning they can't get the full range of motion um, with internal rotation. So I usually have them take it off. And you are known to wear shoes that give you the, you know, sometimes you wear the finger shoes, right? Yes. Because well, I have some of them here. And the I train from the five fingers. Sometimes I do, yeah. Yeah. So, in the summer. It's cold in the winter. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's too cold in the winter. But um, how many times do you see usually some injuries or pain, a person going through pain due to their shoes that they're wearing? Okay. Yeah. So then what we should really talk about now is the foot. Because mm -hmm. that's really what you're talking about. Um, and there's a lot of misconception and uh, misunderstanding of that structure, right? So there's a lot of things now like I need shoes with support and I'm an overpronator and all of these things. And what does that mean? Where do we go? So let's dive into this because this is significant and a big deal now. Mm -hmm. So the first thing to understand about the foot is it has 26 bones and 33 joints. It's designed to move, okay? It's not designed to be still. The only other place in your body that's close to that is this. Why do you think I have all of this here? So I can adapt to mm -hmm. anything I'm taking. Guess why the foot has 26 bones and 33 joints? So it can adapt to whatever surface it encounters, okay? You might be on sand, you might be on cement, you might be in the water, etc. Now, the foot has two primary roles for you. One is to be a mobile adapter, like we just talked about, and the other is to be a stable propeller. How does it become a mobile adapter? How does it become a stable propeller? Because the foot doesn't have a brain. When you first take a step forward and walk, your body's literally rotating and coming around. Mm. What that does is it drives the foot down into the ground or into a position that we call pronation. You'll see the arch disappear and collapse. That's normal. 
Okay, that's all those bones unlocking so the foot can adapt. If you had a rigid pose walking around all day, you'd be in real trouble. So we see the foot collapse. Mm -hmm. What we don't see with a lot of people is they're not good at supinating or locking the foot back up. Well, there's a motion that does that. It's not your foot sitting there going, let me just push up. Don't worry, I'll get you up. And what you usually see with that is knocked knees. I'm trying to get this person to have an imagination so of seeing the this reason visual. knees go in, so you'll see knees going, that's normal as well. Now, if they're knocked, they're not coming back out. Yep. So why? Because my tibia, which is the lower part of my leg, so the knee is made up of the tibia and the femur. The top and the bottom. And where the you drive those bones, you're going to see the joint that we call the knee move along with it. So when my foot pronates, it's going to take the tibia where? In. in which is going to take the femur where? In. in. You're going to see my knee going. Yep. But if you create the necessary loading motion, it'll explode back out. If you don't, it'll stay in. So what we have to say is, well, body, how do you get that done? Because I see you're doing it with Bob, but like you're not doing it with Nate. Mm -hmm. So what's not happening with Nate that all of a sudden he's not supinating? And I say again, I, I think our heart's in the right place. So we see a pronating and not supinating, and we misidentify. We go, well, you're an overpronator. No, you're not. What you're not doing is supinating. And so we go, so put this shoe on so it stops pronation. Yeah. Again, our heart's in the right place. But what we just said is, I know you got 26 bones and 33 joints and you're designed to move, but don't. Mm. Well, now the rest of the chain is affected because the foot starts the chain reaction. So now your question is, and you're going to love this because it's going to reflect right back to your glutes. Body, how do you lock the foot up? Zero to do with the foot. It's actually the hip. So shoes um, today... Um, some of them are not great. So I think what we want to think about with support is, let's say you're like, but Bob, I don't have an arch or it's collapsed. So the support should be soft so you can work through it, right? So it can give you a head start. But if it's rigid and tells you not to, or like you say, you have a lot of cushion, I guess my analogy would be, imagine if you put an oven mitt on your hand all day. Yeah. And you tried to walk around and grab things or feel things. So I wouldn't put an oven mitt on my foot. Mm. Now, again, if you're not moving well and you need assistance, you need assistance. But our goal is let's get you to where you don't. don't. Because, again, uh, for years and years and years, and there are still cultures who don't wear shoes. Now, yeah. the important thing to understand is if you just take a shoe off, or you're not automatically going to get the motion. What that's going to do is allow the motion to occur, but it's not going to cause it if you don't have it. <laughs> mm. Right? Wouldn't that be nice? Right. Well, I'll just take my back brace off, and all of a sudden my back's perfect. Yeah. No, now we have the ability to get the motion, but it doesn't automatically cause it if you don't have it. I mean, the body is so sophisticated. Uh, and, and probably I'll say this because I work in the field, but I think it's probably the most sophisticated thing on the planet. Yeah. Because of... I think it's the most it fascinating can, as well. Yeah, it can compensate. It's driven by emotions and a heart as well as the physical and the physiology. Like there's so much, much. going on there, which really makes it exciting and thrilling. Yeah, I, that's why I, it's never an ending uh, learning experience, right? I think so too. Yeah. Uh, it, it's amazing. So yeah, I like to... In your reference to shoes, because I, 
I used to assess everybody without their shoes, but now uh, I don't all the time, or I do half and half. And the reason is, if I take their shoes off, I know they're probably going to move in a certain way. But then if they put their shoe on and it stops all that motion, that's not a value to me. Yeah. So I want to make sure that when they have that shoe on, that they still have the motion as well. Yeah, right? Because if they put the shoe on and it takes it away. Of course. Then um, I'm stuck. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, they feel like. I remember when we used to do assessments with you. Um, I remember going in there and I'll have like some pronation going on or something. That and happens. You'll, you'll take me through some movement stuff. When you work with a client, you don't use weights. Um, when you first start off with them, right. right? You're using just body weight. You're not using machines and anything like Generally. that, right? Yeah. And you can work with people on Zoom. So if people are listening to this podcast sure. and they want to work with you on Zoom, you list, and they can easily work with you on of Zoom. Of course. Right? Again, just to remind you what I do. So I'm, I'm a biomechanics specialist. I, I restore motion to reconnect the system so that healing will occur. And there's a three-phase process um, to, to that. And uh, even in rehab in general, and uh, sometimes we miss, I think. So the first thing you want to see is, does that body even have the motion in the first place? Because anything you want to do is just going to ask for motion, right? Yeah. Number two is, can that body do that motion consistently over time? So if I walk five blocks, I'm fine. If I walk 10 blocks, my back hurts. You cannot perform that motion consistently over time. And third is, can it do it under load? And traditionally in rehab, when someone gets hurt, we're like, oh, your back hurt. Oh, you're weak. We're just going to make your back stronger. And the back's like, no, 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 no. Like, I don't move. Like, the hip doesn't move. The ankle's not helping me. Get the motion first. Then help me do it over time. And then you can load me. Now, load also doesn't just mean weight. Yeah. Load can be if you add arms, for example, because the weight now has come from what we call proximal to distal, right? Mm -hmm. Speed. One leg versus two. Moving in multiple planes is going to shift the whole system all over the place. So uh, to work with someone, what I do is first, you have to start with an assessment. Um, it's really hard otherwise. I always say, and this is a Paul Check phrase, which I love. If you are not assessing, then you are guessing. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to guess with your health. Mm -hmm. Couple of things. A, so to see if my skill set's a match for your needs. Mm -hmm. I have to make sure. I have a skill set and I hope it can help you, but I don't know for sure. Mm -hmm. If uh, we're a match, then what I do is I create a series of motions that are designed to restore the motion that you're currently not using. But the important thing to understand is it's a program of self efficacy. I will teach you how to take care of your body, but if you want the changes to happen, you have to do it. Yeah, put the work what does that look like? About 15 to 20 minutes once a day to retrain the system on what it should be doing. And it's not conscious. Mm -hmm. okay? I will give you a conscious task to create the subconscious reaction that I want in your body because that's what happens in the body. You just do a conscious task, body, let me reach over here. You don't tell all those muscles and joints what to do. Mm -hmm. You don't. I mean, if you do, please start naming them because mm -hmm. I'd love to know. Mm -hmm. So um, I see someone seven times. I ask for about an hour of their time. Why an hour? So I only need about 15 or 20 minutes for the program, but I don't have a protocol. I have mm -hmm. a person <laughs> who comes in. I'll have a baseline idea every day what I want to do with you, but I may try and move your body a certain way, and your body will be like, nice try. You're not getting it that way today. I'm not stuck. I know a thousand ways to get it. That's just my first choice. Mm -hmm. Then when I'm done working with someone, uh, I give them pictures of everything we did, and I don't know if you, and I send them videos. 
-hmm. Because I try and capture motion in a picture, but it's a picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the videos are helpful because you can hear me cueing you and here's what you do. And uh, at the end, I see someone seven times um, because I want to build a stable of movements that they can use to keep themselves healthy for the rest of their life. Because again, I, my goal is ultimately to get you out of my office. Yeah. Like, come on in, so, hang yeah. out, I'll help you, but go take care of yourself. Yeah. And the joy of it is, all of the movements are individualized to you because your body said, here's what I don't do and here's mm -hmm. how I don't do it. And we go, all right, buddy, come on back here and restore it. Uh, so it's really, really cool because I think you were talking about like, my day's never the same. Yeah, no, you get something different every oh, day. Right? And as a scientist, I joke like I'm like Sherlock Holmes of the body, right? So even when my person comes in, I'm like, okay, so you and I are going to be Holmes and Watson for the next hour. <laughs> and we're just going to put you on film and we're going to watch you move. Mm. Um, so... Being in person is always nice, uh, but I can do stuff online, like you said, as well, in which case I then just show them on the film what they've been doing, as mm -hmm. opposed to someone being right there and we look at it together. But I think the filming's very powerful because film doesn't lie. Nope. So you think you're moving well. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you go, wait a minute, are you telling me like my ankle was supposed to internally rotate when I did that? Or... I love when they do things when I ask them to move and a certain part of the body should be still, but they subconsciously move it ahead of time and they didn't even realize they did it. Yeah. And then I'm like, see how you externally rotate that foot? And I'm like, that's not what I asked or what I showed you. And they go, whoa. So they learn about their compensations. They learn about how they may be breaking down, what parts of their body are not helping them. And then we just give it back. Yeah. Just give it back. Because it can. <laughs> when I work with clients, I, I record them. Cool. And then I put it on that big board out in the gym. Yeah. The smart board. And then I have the marker where I can pause the video on the board and circle or right. show Here's what's not happening. Exactly. Love that, right? And it blows people away Very because powerful. when you're trying to break it down for them, I have a longtime client that was here mm -hmm. yesterday mm -hmm. and she was confused on why her QL muscle is tight and why she's like leaning one way. And I was telling her she was leaning one way and it was kind of confusing for her. So when I recorded and put it on the board, she was like, oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. I cannot believe that. So it's amazing. It's, it's very powerful. Well, one of the things that midway throughout this interview, you got up and you showed some movement and some people that are listening are not going to be able to see that. If you do okay. want to see okay. that, sure. you can see that on the YouTube channel if you're not watching on YouTube channel already. But one of the great things that I had um, planned is for you to we're going to be doing a nice little mini course with Bob Finelli on movement with show you know uh, with his programming with your shoulders your hips your back your ankles we're going to come together we're coming together and to make this mini course for you on the Be Great Renate Academy um, where you'll be able to see Bob you know his skill set even more if you mm -hmm. haven't heard or saw it uh, you didn't think this was enough which you know this is only the tip of the iceberg with this guy so um, where can people find you? So I want to reach out to you. Right. Uh, you? I'm on Instagram. I have a website as well. It's bobfinelli.com. Uh, my Instagram is also bobfinelli. I have a Facebook page. Um, you can always just email me. So if you would put... I'm going to put all your information in the description just, and in the show notes. Yeah, just reach out. And, and, and often sometimes I think email is often the best way because particularly if you have a question... 
I can really dive into a deep answer for you if you're, if you're looking for that in an email. That can be a little harder sometimes on a quick little Instagram thing, whatever. I'm not telling you not to do it, right? Yeah. But email is a great way. I can attach pictures or something as well to email if you're like, well, what do you mean, Bob? And then I can give you examples and things like that if you have a question or something like that. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope the show gave you valuable information. If you did, take a screenshot, post it on social media, like your Instagram story or someone in your social and tag me. I will definitely get back to you. I really appreciate the love. Or you can easily just leave a rating or a review if you have the time. You don't understand how much those little things right there help me push this show to get more people like you to listen. If you want more Be Great With Nate, you can head over to BeGreatWithNate.com and I'll meet you there. Until next time, peace.